0: Welcome to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Gardner Goldsmith, the creator of the Liberty Conspiracy. And you can watch and listen to Liberty Conspiracy every Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. We're on Rumble, on Rockman, and on my Twitter slash X feed. And that is at Gard Goldsmith. That's G-A-R-D Goldsmith. You can also find my work at MRCTV.org and their channels mrctv on youtube and rumble and of course i invite you to check out my substack the gardner goldsmith substack that's g-a-r-d-n-e-r goldsmith every sunday you'll find the sunday news assembly which almost always contains more than 20 but typically contains at least 20 stories pertaining to liberty plus contextual information to help you carry out long-lasting lessons to defend liberty Tonight, we've got a very packed program, so let's get right back to it, everyone. We've got a conversation coming up that deals with so-called natural asset companies. What is that? Well, perhaps the best way to frame it is imagine a mafioso charging you or your company for being left alone and not getting punched or attacked. It's all bound up with the so-called climate change problem, which is non-existent. And of course, it's all bound up with the carbon credit trading idea that they have. Again, the mafia is telling you that they won't punch you if you conform to what they demand for your behavior. And then if you don't get punched, you can trade that wonderful credit for not getting punched to someone else who doesn't want to get punched as well. Oh, man. Check it out, everybody. Lots of great stuff. And I invite you to find me at Guard Goldsmith on Twitter slash X. Let's look at what's on tap tonight, everybody. Tonight, right at the start, We're starting with our mind melt. Some of you might know I spent some time in the script department of Star Trek Voyager, and I still have some of the vestiges of that old Star Trek-y mindset in my mind. So, yes, we're going to turn to the Star Trek mind melt tonight with our opening guest, Courtney Turner. If you got to see her on earlier today with Harrison on InfoWars, she was phenomenal. Of course, we'll show you her website and how you can find her on Twitter, slash X. Ah, yes, you can find out all about her and the amazing work that she and others who were turned on about this particular topic have done recently. And it's very important for those of us who believe in private property and pushing back against a multi-generational, multi-centuries agenda to destroy individual liberty. And we'll talk more about that, about the SEC and natural asset companies. Those of you who know my work at MRC TV know that back in the fall of 2022, I wrote about how the Federal Reserve had approached the major banks to get them to come up with certain ESG standards and their cost of carbon standards. That was only one facet of a much larger agenda at foot. We'll discuss that. We'll also talk about the importance of private property. And then later in the program, We'll go into our news flash. In fact, all of the other subjects on the show tonight are gonna be part of our news flash one, two, and three. It's the journalistic jokers edition of the newsflash. We'll start with EVs and wind and how, as the psychedelic furs would say, we love you with incredible sarcasm. Then we'll talk about the border, liars, and more. You might have seen my new video for MRC TV came out today. It didn't have all of the argument that I often put together about how the issue, if you are a constitutionalist, I'm a voluntarist, anarchist, libertarian, but I do you know, try to address their points about their constitution and try to keep them honest about their constitution. Again, it is not a federal purview. It's a state purview. The word immigration is not in the federal constitution. So uh, some of that was excised from that video today, but We talk about the Supreme Court battle between Joe Biden and the government of Texas. That'll be later in the program. And we'll talk about so-called journalists and the lying feds. So much to discuss tonight, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. Remember, you can comment on Rockfin, you can comment on Rumble, and you can also comment on Twitter slash X. And I wanna welcome Tom Cooper, Karen Carpenter, and so many other good people in Rockfin, as well as Murtek. Birdhouse Blues and Risha M. Inside Rumble. Recruit friends and family and let's get rolling, everybody. You know what it's time for? No, not the news flash. It's time for the Star Trek mind meld.
1: And minds are merging, doctrine. Our minds are one.
0: I feel what you feel. I know what you know. And of course it is the Mind Melt, as you can see with our guest, Courtney Turner. And we need a theme for this, one and all, so let's get right to that theme. It comes to us via our friends, Black Flag. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme! Give I need some more! Gimme, give gimme, give gimme! Give Go, ask,
1: fuck, what two, three, four! <laughs> Stand here like a loaded gun!
0: Ball. All right, a little Henry Rollins to help us out. Of course, coming in after Keith Morris, taking over Black Flag. And now we get the opportunity to join our guest. She is Courtney Turner, talking about some success, everybody. We've got some breaking news. If you got to see it on her Twitter feed, let me give you a quick show of this. This is awesome. This is the most recent retweet that I've gotten out Courtney says here's the SEC page regarding withdrawal withdrawal of what let's get some details from her right now congratulations Courtney and welcome to the show and it's great to meet you in a manner of speaking thank you for being so awesome to me uh, in approaching you and thanks for joining the show Courtney Turner
2: well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's uh, not often when we uh, t- talk about these sort of things that we get to celebrate a little victory. Uh, and I say little because I still think we need to be very vil- vigilant. You know, I think they just rebrand, they'll rename and pivot. I, I don't think they plan to slow down at all. Um, but... I think this is a huge win in the regards that it really shows that we do have some power to derail their plan, at least to slow them down. And I I think that, you know, a lot of people, especially people, uh, you know, in the 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 milieu we're in, the the truth or freedom, you know, whatever you want to call it. But the people in that space, I I, I know a lot of them get to be a little bit blackpilled, apathetic, you know. Uh it's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, they've been doing this for decades and, it, you know, there's no hope. It's all over. But this proves that that's not true. Like we can derail their plans and we must that that is what we must do. So, yeah. It's,
0: yeah, it's amazing. And of course, I got <laughs> I got a little taste of this. You heard me mention this piece that I wrote a while back in the fall mm-hmm. for MRC TV. And yeah. so, you know, we've been following this sort of stuff. I think um, uh, those people who have read uh, I'll just grab the book over here um some people got their first sample of this my mom was actually clued into this stuff you know agenda 21 and stuff like that before mm-hmm. she passed away but uh, i think a lot of people right. wrote read rosie curie's book about okay, the green yep. agenda
2: right
0: yeah yep yeah, good stuff and uh and she was clued into it you know many of the bullet points that she covered and or uncovered mm-hmm. uh were part of a very large plan but this is something that goes back we're talking goes back generations really yeah. going back generations into yeah. involving the banking system the growth of certain ideologies and all sorts of things including <laughs> the mindset of cultural marxism that mm-hmm. always tries to create a new underdog for which people of compassion or people who might be worried about the future of the planet will attach themselves or to which they'll attach themselves and of yeah. course the only answer in the in the classic dialectic is well You've got to go with government. They're the ones who will represent the goodness and the Roussonian idea. Uh, so, Courtney, why don't we show uh, your, uh, your Twitter feed just sure. real quick here. It's at Courtney Turner. That's C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R, Courtney Turner. And she wrote at 314 this afternoon, and it was so <laughs> awesome to see this huge win. SEC the Securities and Exchange Commission withdrew the NAC application now for those people who maybe they saw a retweet of this or something like that they might have said to themselves Oh, all these anagrams I don't even know what are, you know stuff flies by people so much yeah. so the NAC application is obviously something you've been discussing and you even mentioned with so many hosts Harrison this morning over the weekend, you were on with Richard and Tony on Grand Theft World. And then I saw you earlier with David Knight. And now you're on with me. And I'm just <laughs> like, and Chris Graves and I were texting. And he goes, oh, I had her on like a month ago or whatever. She's awesome. It's uh-huh. so great. Oh, it's it's yeah. phenomenal. So we're, we're, we're catching up on a lot of things here. And I'm, I'm running through this very quickly because this is a very big breaking thing. So why don't I step back and pause a little bit. And if I might, I'll give people a little visual, Courtney, yeah. um, because I was able to call this up and talk about it on my show after I heard mm-hmm. you with David Knight yeah. and uh, started to do some research. And I said, oh, man, you know, this ties this. Clearly, this ties into the whole idea of so-called carbon capture, carbon mm-hmm. credits, RGGI, all those things, carbon taxes, the um, the Federal Reserve move last year, September of 2022, I should say, to get these banks to connect, to come up with their cost of carbon and all this other nonsense, the the World Economic Forum going on in Davos, all these things they've been pushing, the entire green agenda. Um, And green is actually quite an interesting term because that itself has deep roots uh, going back into uh, mythology and things like that. But, to look at the breaking stories, let me show folks uh, what this looks like here. We'll show ourselves again because we're so awesome. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll put ourselves on the screen with this. Uh, go over here. Yeah. So here's real clear markets. This is just one of a few pieces that are out there. Beware the SEC's creation of natural asset companies. This mm-hmm. is a sort of synthetic so just like cost of so-called carbon, when they mean carbon dioxide, there yeah. have been there have been no tortious claims by people saying, well, you know, uh, based on British common law, your use of that uh, internal combustion engine just took eight years off of my life. So I'm bringing you to court. They can't prove anything. Right. And mm-hmm. they keep creating these systems whereby they're going to have a cost. They're going to have a tax. They estimate what it is. And it's all made up out of thin air. And this is the up. way. Yeah. And uh, it seems to me that this almost is coinciding with a lot of the ESG corporations yes. going down the tubes and needing yeah. assets. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the natural asset companies, and then the course of what we where we got to today.
2: Yeah. Oh wow! You you uh, that was such an opening. You unpacked so much there. Um, nice. I, 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 there were so many things I wanted to interject with. Uh, but one thing I will say, you had talked about the the compassion, and this is something that I I talk about a lot. I've done several speeches on something I call the compassion trap, and I think they use that they weaponize compassion to create false dialectics. Um, and that this is, you also talked about the, uh, you know, like the, the, the groups, the group's identity. And this is, of course, an infiltration uh, and uh, a, a, con- a codification through the Frankfurt School uh, yes. where they, right? And this was a huge part of their strategy for F. Haven to culture, which for those who don't know the translation, essentially cancel culture. I don't think that needs any explanation these days. Most people are pretty versed with that, you know, no matter what side of the aisle they are, they're on that, that seems to be, uh, most of us are pretty aware with the the cancel culture, but F. Haven itself is a German term and it's a, it's an interesting kind of oxymoronic word because it means to lift up and preserve while simultaneously, uh, canceling and tearing down, which is, of course, where you get the to culture. But really, it, it's about sublation. So this is part of like the, you know, the visual would be like the Ouroboros. It's the snake that eats its tail. Um, mm-hmm. And this is really the integral part of the Hegelian dialectic. So, you know, dialectics have a very long history, uh, and they have many connotations, even within the realm of philosophical schools of thought. But the Hegelian dialectic, the middle term was negation, negative. And, uh, you know, it was in German, it was half haven and it would be (laughs) translated to sublation. So, uh, that's just a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's very relevant because, uh, as I said, we have to stay vigilant and they, they tend to work, uh, both sides constantly. And you were talking about this, uh, the, the compassion that they weaponize and they very much did this with this whole green energy, this green, uh, earth, uh, agenda. And of course, one of the, you know, early days of this, although I think it, you know, has a, Predecessors uh, before this, but is of course the limits to growth document, the limits of growth uh, from the Club of Rome.
0: Club of Rome, right. The Club of Rome, yeah. right.
2: And this was 1992. And if you, uh, sorry, 1972, but if you read their later document in 1992, their global reformation document, they admit that it was pure propaganda. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily use the word propaganda, but they pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, but they pretty much explained that they had to create a common enemy because nobody was going to buy into this junk science. It was nonsense. Um, but they needed to get, create a common enemy for people to rally behind in order to get on board with this narrative that they had created. And they decided that the enemy of humanity was man. That is why you are the carbon they want to reduce. Um, so that is essentially, you know, kind of the the groundwork that was laid to bring us to where we are today with these natural asset companies. And yeah, when you were saying there's so many acronyms, uh, I had actually a good friend who reached out to me and said, Courtney, I don't understand any of this. It was like one acronym after the next. And I, what's going on? This is all very confusing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I said, okay, I didn't do a very good job explaining then. I apologize. Uh, but yes, they love their acronyms. You look at the mil- military industrial complex and it's all an and right. uh, yeah that's that's how they and i think it's because you know as you were saying green has a symbolism and occult uh reference and i think that's what a lot of the anagrams are about it is a signaling to the initiates there usually is a lot of double meaning they'll so tell you just a really funny little tangent uh when i was and i'm going to sound like an idiot but you know this isn't my field so when i was doing this research i A lot of times when you see GAP, you know, it's it's spelled out, Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. It's not written as GAP. And whenever it was applying to these NACs, uh, some people call it NAC, some people call it NACs. But when it applied to this, it was only references GAP. And so I looked it up. And it's, so, okay, well, what is gap? And uh, I'm guessing is a financial term based on the context. But when I referenced it, you know, you can highlight something and it'll just pop up what it is. So immediately yeah. the Wikipedia for gap comes up and it was a demon. <laughs> so apparently a gap is like a medical demon that uh, it helps uh, women to find their lovers, but then it renders them infertile. And here... I'm going to sound totally crazy, but I'm going to just share with you what went through my head. I was like, "Well, that's kind of what they're doing to the land, because right under the guise of conservation, quote unquote, right? So they're it's beautiful, it's appealing, it's attractive, it's uh, you know, it's fruitful, and because they're creating this false, it's a total voodoo economic system, accounting system. Uh, We'll get to that in a minute, but it's infertile. You can't. they, They literally knacks are all about non-productivity you cannot produce on this land so i know that's a stretch and i don't know that that's what they were thinking but i just thought it was funny so i'm just throwing that out there it was kind of a funny thing that came up for me and when i thought about it, i'm like well that is kind of what they're doing so i don't know
0: <laughs> no that is that is remarkable and you know it's interesting and I'll I'll refer to this a little bit later in our conversation yeah. Courtney uh, our guest is Courtney Turner folks and uh we're talking about natural asset companies which were on the we they it wasn't even the horizon the horizon was rapidly approaching yeah. uh the yes the the vanishing point was not not vanishing and uh they were going to be allowed by the security and exchange securities and exchange commission which shouldn't even exist constitutionally. It's a complete warping of the interstate commerce clause. And yeah. James Madison has tried to warn people about that, did. that. It's not supposed to be preemptory interference in state uh, over the border commerce. It's supposed to be if states have disputes with each other because states are imposing tariffs. But of course, you know, they'll gain any foothold. The camels are always trying to get their nose under the tent and they've done so. The tent doesn't even exist anymore. Um, but uh, Courtney, it's fascinating. You should bring that up. Uh, because m- many years ago, uh, first I'll say I think you're absolutely right. The Hegelian dialectic—it's a spin on the dialectic, the ancient mm-hmm. you know, Greek dialectic, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, it's the non-choice of mm-hmm. well, we will present what the, what the options are for you, and mm-hmm. it's it's actually not a, it's it's a false dichotomy that they present to people. But in addition to that, as you as you so astutely point out. It's the tearing down of the old to create the new, which is presented as something of options, but both of them are directed. And then eventually the complete elimination of the old and the property thing is key. But one of the other things I'll bring up is in one of your conversations, an absolutely terrific conversation that is posted on your website, one of the most recent video conversations you had. Uh, you talked a little bit about Thomas Sowell economics and mm-hmm. how much you admire Thomas Sowell and mm-hmm. um, among, you know, many people who have <laughs> probably yeah. given you great insights. Uh, sure. But absolutely. One of the things I, I find so interesting is, you know, when I'm uh, teaching kids economics and things like that, I say, you know, we talk about what is wealth, what mm-hmm. are resources. And I right. said, resources, resources only are recognized as such by people. And, there's tons of, uh, you know, there are tons of examples in history when things like oil was just mm-hmm. a mineral sludge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lubricant until human mind resources Innovation. were applied. Exactly. And that's where somebody like Julian Simon comes in or mm-hmm. even Warren Brooks in his, his book called The Economy of Mind. But especially Julian Simon, when we talk about these neo-Luddites and mm-hmm. the Malthusians versus an, an economist like Julian Simon, who said, no. The ultimate resource is the human mind, and that's exactly what they want to shut down. That is, that is precisely it. They need to control the human mind and human communication and human free will and freedom of association. Because with all of those things, the human freedom, the human will can then make things better, and mm-hmm. they want control of these things. So let's describe a little bit about what the NAC thing would have been. If you want to discuss, you know, some of its nascent origins or just want to hit what was coming immediately and go backwards. (laughs) Thanks for listening, freedom lovers, to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. Please spread the word about our show. And remember, you can watch us every Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, on Rockman, and my Twitter slash X feed, and that is at Guard Goldsmith. Thanks for believing in the principles of freedom. We continue on Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live with our conversation with Courtney Turner talking about NACs, natural asset companies, and how they basically represent massive government fascist setups to charge people for the government not going after people and pretend that that is somehow an asset that can be traded. So let's describe a little bit about what the NAC thing would have been. If you want to discuss, you know, some of its nascent origins or just want to hit what was coming immediately and go backwards, whatever you want to do. Yeah,
2: well, let let me start with what it is and then we'll work our way backwards uh, to go to nascent origins. So essentially... NAC NEC stands for Natural Asset Company, and so what happened is there is this uh, it's called the, it's again another acronym. It's a IEG, which stands for Intrinsic Exchange Group. They had uh, partnered up with the New York Stock Exchange, so this is a total double dipping on behalf of the New York Stock Exchange. They thought that they were going to be really slick, and uh, you know they would uh, double dip here. Uh, so they partnered up with the Intrinsic Exchange Group in order to propose to, to ask S to request the SEC proposal rule to allow natural asset companies to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange, publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Now, Intrinsic Exchange Group is backed by partners like IBD, IBD Lab, Abadir Ventures. Abadir Ventures is a venture capital firm. Uh, they tend to specialize a lot in healthcare technology i don't think that's a coincidence i i, I think a lot of the uh you know bio digital convergence is very relevant to this big land grab they do want to create an ai world society we can get into that but the un 100 has already been uh you know making their plans building their their blueprint for the ai world society which they uh, wanted to be the centennial of the un which is in 2045 and they they already had a symposium on rebuilding ukraine so they talk about how the Ukraine is decimated by the war. We need to fund them and we need to help rebuild them so they can be the hub of this AI world society that will be connected to all these smart cities around the world. Uh And that those will be the 15 minute cities, obviously, or the C40 city. And uh so this... uh it was Abadir Ventures and then Entertaining Ideas, which unfortunately I could find nothing about, so I have no idea who they are, but the name was kind of intriguing. And then some of their uh, sub-partners were people like the uh, World Wildlife Organization, which was the brainchild of Julian Huxley, who's famous for 1957 coining the term transhumanism. He was also one of the forerunners of UNESCO, and uh, it, when uh, they started UNESCO, he had one of his famous Malthusian quotes about our limited resources and how we need to limit the population since our uh, resources are so limited, which is very relevant to what's going on here. So right. they want to put essentially a value natural on cap- – like cap, like commodify, sorry. So they call it like natural capital. They want to commodify natural assets. That's things like land, water, the air we breathe. Photosynthesis is included in this. Uh, min- yeah. Uh, minerals. Uh, so oil, mineral extraction is not going to be permitted in the name of conservation. Uh, so this was pretty terrifying. It was part of what they call the 30 by 30 agenda, which is where they want only 30% of the earth to be inhabited and used by humans, which Of course, is only a stepping stone to get to what is really the half earth agenda. Half earth was a book that was written by E.O. Wilson, who's a biologist. And it is exactly what you would imagine. It is just the extension where now only half of the earth can be inhabited by humans. And really, they're not going to stop there. This is just, you know, plans. Uh, but they wanted the 30 by 30 agenda to be, uh, achieved by 2030. And the Biden administration was very instrumental. I do feel that they, uh, and I can only, you know, conjecture based on the data points, but it looks like they were kind of waiting and grooming the Biden administration to really take helm of this. So when I talk about these voodoo accounting system, they had created a new accounting system because the GAAP generally accepted accounting principles did not apply to natural assets, of course, because you can't commodify the air we breathe. Uh, exactly. At least, you know, without coming up with some sort of really, you know, cuckoo voodoo accounting, um, So, <laughs> which is, I don't know how else to say it, you know, I mean, that's essentially what they did. Um, but so, because typically when you have something that is a commodity, it has value, it's a product, it's something tangible right. where you can see uh, the productive use of it this is the opposite they want to reduce any productivity any productive use in the name of quote unquote conservation and so they created an accounting system back in 2012 it was called the seea account ec- ecosystem accounting which stands right. for of course all the acronym so it stands for systems of uh, environmental Econ- yeah it, sorry yeah environmental economic accounting ecosystem accounting that's what it stood for, and back in 2012, 90 countries had already signed on. So most, I, I don't know the this, you know, the exact number of countries, but pretty much much of the world has already taken on. Next, they already have this in a large portion of the world. But they kept saying when I was doing the research, all these articles would say, but the United States hasn't signed on yet. But in 2023 January, uh, the Biden administration did create their own. Uh, version of essentially the UN's accounting accounting system, and they call it the National Strategy to Develop Statistics for Environmental Economic Decision, a U.S. system of natural capital accounting and associated environmental economic statistics. This was done by the Office of Science and Technology Policy, Office of Management and Budget, Department of Commerce, and this was in January 2023. They also did a bill uh, to put nature on the balance sheet, so they want to leverage our land and put them into natural asset companies to Uh, Leverage the debt Uh, They also uh, Started something and I can't Remember the initial name but it was something like The 30 by 30 and that wasn't Very popular Uh, it was I don't know what their name for it was that's essentially What it was it was this 30 by 30 agenda But they had done a bill And uh, it didn't go over well So they renamed it America the Beautiful Which sounds much nicer Uh, They are masters of language And uh, deception (laughs) And uh, they so they called it America the Beautiful, and it's part of uh, Biden's 15-year green economy agenda. And this is really just about the 30 by 30, and of course, you're just stepping stone to the half Earth. And, and as I said, I don't see them stopping there. <laughs> so. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That was a lot.
0: (laughs) Um, No, but it's, it's so important because at every one of these stages, either they're directly putting forward language and proposals through statutes or new bureaus or signals that they want the bureaus to do something with the new terminology or they're relying on things that they've already set up in the past. And so I think linguistically and, uh, And policy wise, there are two things I'd I'd just like to bring up briefly, Courtney, uh, which is, yeah, you know, uh, if uh, if people and I've discussed this before, when we talk about that, something has value, uh, Mm -hmm. we have to leave that up to individuals when politicians tell us something that has uh, something has value. Uh, We don't know because it hasn't been tested in the marketplace. When the government does something, we can't say that it's valuable because the people who are forced (laughs) to pay for it are the taxpayers. And they're forced. They're not voluntarily deciding, I value this thing to X amount and putting a price point on it and allowing that to signal other people about the value of those resources or energies or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we've got the So the politicians create these things and they've already established For decades now, going back to the Antiquities Act, and even (laughs) earlier than that, actually, The idea that the federal government can just seize land, private property or buy things when under their constitution, only three types of land are allowable. A 10 square mile area for the capital, which is Washington, D.C. And what a wonderful place that is. (laughs) Uh, Then territories. And when territories become states, they're supposed to enter with all the so-called rights and privileges. What a mess of language that is uh, of any other state. They're not required to cede land. And even if they could cede land, there's no power, so-called power or authority, which the Constitution has no authority over me. I didn't sign it. Uh, but, according to them, the authority of the constitution it doesn 't allow that, and right. then then you 've got military garrisons, which is one of their dumb excuses for building the interstate highway system, which was also patently unconstitutional you totally. can 't have a military garrison that 's hundreds of miles long you know it 's utterly ridiculous, so they go in and they take up to seventy percent or seventy five percent of the lands west of the Mississippi because mm-hmm they say, oh, this is a natural monument. We've got the Grand Escalante monument that I've I mentioned here on the show when Bill Clinton was president and he seized up these vast areas of Arizona and Nevada out in the desert, which were being used for anthracite mining. And it just so happened that the uh, after those are removed from being able to be utilized, however they are supposed to be utilized should be left up to the market. Maybe people want uh, Anwar to be forest land. The people in Alaska seem to be pretty upset that Biden just closed off two thirds of what was already going to be agreed to be oil exploration and drilling and recovery under Trump. So all these different yeah. types of things, so you got the Lippo group became the uh, runner of the largest percentage of anthracite after Bill Clinton did his deals. So they can do all these things and they can set these things up, whether it's direct payoffs to people immediately or it's to attract people to steer them in these particular directions. Yep. And this is what the NAC thing has done uh, yep. or they tried to do. So, tried. Yeah, let's let's talk about why it would have been really, really dangerous to private oh. property owners. If yeah. the Securities and Exchange Commission actually went through with this and then where things stand right now with states, uh I think it was uh, states treasurers uh yep. twenty or so that opposed it and a lot of people. So yeah. however you want to go through that, Courtney.
2: Okay, so uh firstly uh let's just talk a little bit about the valuation. So essentially what they're going what they were planning to do, and, and there's been A lot of books on, like Dieter Helm wrote a book on uh, valuing uh, natural capital. Um, I don't remember the exact title, but uh, that's a lot of what this is founded on. Um, And, you know, this goes back a very long time. Like, I think the Conservation Act of 1980, I believe, was kind of paving the way for some of this as well. And again, this goes back to the dialectic, right? What Weren't those the Republicans that did that? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people need to really understand that's something I spend a lot of time drilling in is the dialectic and how it is used for primarily for political warfare um, and psychological warfare, uh, which, you know, often what you mean is is not
0: the two sides against each other, but presenting a false dichotomy of two sides against each other so that the observers and participants beneath will think that they're supporting something good when actually they're supporting two prongs of the same fork.
2: You got it. it it's right. the uh, the right hand of the left hand. So yeah. right, when you're you see a magic trick and uh, the right hand the left hand is doing all these fancy things and it looks amazing, and meanwhile behind the scenes it's the right hand doing the work, and that's yeah. essentially. You know, what's going on? I just did a, a good example just to make it tangible for people. I just did an episode on uh, Jordan Peterson's ARC, which is Alliance for Responsible Citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of course, it's being touted as a uh, combatant to the World Economic Forum, the, the WEF. But uh, when you start to look into it, the people who are funding it are the same. Uh, Legatum and Sir Paul Marshall are the primary financiers behind this uh, Alliance for Responsible citizenship and a direct backer of the one, sorry, a direct client of Legatum is the World Economic Forum. So it's, uh, and a lot, I mean, the, their their initial name was uh, Prosperity UK 7, 2017. And so when you go back and look at the company filings and uh, one of the things they were most proud of back in 2017, 2018 was their alignment with the UN's 17 sustainable goals. So I, there, I, it's a long, you know, a longer video. People can go watch it but that's an example right they they look like they're the conservative religious right and they're really under the umbrella of all these socially conservative uh, agendas and uh, ideals and yet when it comes to the fourth industrial revolution the UN sustainable goals it seems like they are just aligned. And they're using that as a cover in order to advance the same agenda. So that's not to say necessarily that everybody involved knows that, you know, I think people need to use a little bit of discernment. These things are complicated and nuanced, but Uh, It does require understanding. I personally think that, you know, I started my podcast saying that the Republicans were behaving like controlled opposition for the left. I I now no longer believe that. I think they were created to be controlled opposition for the left. So it's another, you know, kind of dialectic, which George Washington, one of our our founding fathers, actually warned us about. He said that, you know, we should not have a two party system because it would be a loophole for foreign entanglement. um, And really, it for the what I call the parasite class to uh, advance the the new world order, which is uh, what it was called at that time. You know, Wilson was one of the first people to use that term, the new world order. Right. He was one of the first presidents. Um, so anyway, uh, all that to say that uh, yeah, so I think that you know this does go a long time back, but one of the things about uh, the value is uh, the valuation is that because people it's kind of I think the analogy would be kind of like derivative which if you're familiar essentially I mean it's nonsensical they're going to hedge bets on bets and we know that that yeah, and somehow that's going to make us a lot of money um, but uh, it's like you're not well as no- long
0: as they can create their fake valuations and keep propping them up and you know it's the pretend 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 it's the wizard don't look behind the curtain there'll exactly. be a lot of people well, yep. And in the, in the interim, they'll make a lot of money while the getting is good. They'll be the John Carries of the world.
2: Well, the parasite class will make a lot of money. But what right. did that do? I mean, that was largely responsible for the crash of 2008. And yep. I think that's really what they're setting up here or they were trying to set up here because the way that they would make money, the, they, the proverbial, they, the oligarchical parasitical class, that, that's what I call them. Um, But, you know, I think they uh, thought they would get very wealthy. They were valuing it at five quadrillion, this uh, mother nature, natural assets. And uh, they were planning to use carbon offsets. So because traditionally, you know, like, the analogy I would use is if you were to buy a piece of property and you thought it was going to be a gold mine, like literally, you thought that you could mine gold on it. It was very rich in gold. Uh, typically, then you would put in resources, whether that be labor, whether that would be, uh, you know, supplies time you know you that's your business so you are tending to that land and then you took the risk because potentially it's not going to work out and now you have incurred some cost and you know loss of resources or that risk could yield tremendous rewards but now what they're doing is the inverse of that so now you cannot produce so you could not mine on your own property and instead it would be a carbon offset so because it's not being used and it's being quote unquote conserved, they invest in these natural asset companies that are publicly traded and that would be a carbon offset. So that was kind of their plan. Uh, yeah. I think to get very wealthy off of this scam, which is essentially what it is, uh, a land grab scam and not only grabbing the land, but of course also commodifying it for their own, uh, you know, uh, hopes of making a tremendous amount of money. So, what is it so terrible? There's several reasons why this was a really bad idea and, you know, I hesitate to use was because we this is a small victory and I I do want to stress that just because I want people to feel empowered that we can push back and that we absolutely should. That is I think it's incumbent upon uh, freedom-minded people to push back and to be vigilant. Uh, but I, I don't put it past them to rebrand, to pivot, to, uh, you know, push this through and, and through other vehicles and other avenues. They are masters of Fabian socialist incrementalism. You know, the, one, yeah. the the cloak is the wolf in sheep's clothing, and that's the dialectic, right? You know, it looks yeah. good, but it's really uh, the enemy. Whereas their, but their mascot was actually the tortoise. (laughs) And it's because the tortoise is uh, the slow, steady incrementalism. So, yeah. So they, um, some of the things that the American Stewards of Liberty actually laid out a great, you were talking about some of the people who did some great comments. There were Marlowe Oaks got together 22 other, and it may be more at this point, but 22 other state treasurers in order to push back. That is part of why the uh, period for uh, submitting comments was extended initially to tomorrow. Of course, now it's been withdrawn, but I think people can still make comments. So, uh, and I think they should just to, you know, hammer it in, get more numbers, you know, up until the deadline, as long as they have it up there.
0: What is there an easy way for people can get to get there either through your website or your your Twitter feed or if you want to give out? Yeah, I have it anything. on my
2: Twitter. I do have it on my Twitter. There's also if you go to AmericanStewards.us, uh, they have when you go to everything you need to know. Um, I can also just read you the SEC. Um, it is so SEC. Uh, let me see SEC. He, uh, government file.
0: socialistic, yeah. egotistical communists. I don't know. It's uh, and then we can even talk about the origins of uh, Karl Marx's ideology and some of the forces behind that that helped pay him off sometime later on. And and by the way. Your knowledge about many of the origins of these things, Courtney, is just so refreshing and exciting to hear because you Mm -hmm. have done great research and you have an an alacrity, your fluidity in being able to express these things in a way that people can listen to it. And then later, if they want to come back, it's like it's like a a class lecture. You you know, the scholarship Mm -hmm. is there. So, for example, you're talking about Tavistock. I've been aware of Tavistock, but you go back. Even decades before that, and you explained the origins of the original name of Tavistock and where that started, all these different groups, all these different organizations. And what else I think is really key is you understand the primacy of individual choice and valuation, unless that unless the individual and and its corollary, which Mm -hmm. is free will. You know, unless exactly. So we know that by nature, human beings are subjective and we value things differently unless we are allowed the the freedom to express our our desires and our interests in a peaceful way. And others are allowed to do so in a sort of Immanuel Kant sort of reciprocal way. uh, Mm -hmm. The golden rule, both do unto others and do not do unto others as you would not want done unto you. Um, then the whole system breaks down. And, and they play on this with these false notions, these beards that they put on. They, and and it's, I, I always try to express to people, when you pare this down, it always comes to some other people trying to tell you you can't decide for yourself how to value your life and what goes on in it and how to express that to others. That is the key. That's the absolute key because all resource allocation, even recognition of resources themselves Will be suppressed unless you're free, and so it's always that basic moral economic axiom. It's that it's that nexus of ethical treatment of one's neighbor that allows for human flourishing. And they yeah. don't want that; they want control. So I I know it's you know sort of a, a you know sort of a, a you know like a classroom sort of thing to say, but um it's extremely important that people always pare it down to that to leaving their neighbor free to act in peace. And uh, it's it's very important when we come to economics and valuation, and all of this stuff is all tied to it. And it, uh, for generations, going back to Plato, that has been yep. what they have wanted to um, to destroy from everything from the noble lie on mm-hmm. through, you know, and even before that, you know, Pythagorean occultism and things like that. Um, the mystery schools, this, yeah, absolutely, absolutely yeah. right, absolutely right, and that so, that was. Yeah
2: what the esoteric uh, knowledge was all about was withholding the information from the masses so they could control them. And so they would have, uh, and so they could institute their uh, trauma-based mind control. So much of that starts back then. So, I mean, I would... Yes, it goes even further, but we have record of it from then.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, you know, and and thinking about two things. First, we have Plato's noble lie about the different Mm -hmm. uh, the different metals that are in different people. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. which I thought I always I would tell students in philosophy class, isn't it ironic? He's talking about the 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 so-called Socrates is talking about the 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 uh, the idyllic republic for Mm -hmm. for justice. Is going to be based on a lie, which is just ridiculous, and it shows you the the entire, as you say, the Ouroboros, the the, mm-hmm, the, the, uh, or, circular, yeah, the the circular, yeah, the circular thing, eating its tail, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. That is the that is the state. That is the rationale for the state. I, of course, I'm a libertarian anarchist voluntarist, right. so you know I yeah. you understand that argument is spurious. It's a QED. But the other thing that gets me is um, this very idea of this noble lie is something that we see manifest today, whether it's with the jabs or it's mm-hmm. with now trying to claim that there's some value that they're just arbitrarily going to make up, the cost of carbon, the carbon yep. trading system. And then they're going to lever off of that in increased false so-called valuation of these companies. So can you tell us a little bit about it to, if you can put it in into terms that Uh, Let's say, you know, one of the high school students, if they were listening, uh, if I were teaching high school, um, they would understand about the creation of these companies and where they would derive this so-called value.
2: (laughs) Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I want to address two things you said, though. Uh, One is Plato, because I think that I think it's really interesting. I have to go back and reread Plato because I actually have a potentially and I know this is not a popular uh, viewpoint at all.
0: There's plenty more Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Gardner Goldsmith. Thank you so much for being in the audience, and please spread the word. We'll be back.
3: This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. But what about paying your bills? Spritz.Finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
2: Free
0: Talk Live. We continue on Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live with our conversation with Courtney Turner talking about NACs, natural asset companies, and how they basically represent massive government fascist setups to charge people for the government not going after people and pretend that that is somehow an asset that can be traded. If you can put it in into terms that, uh, let's say, you know, one of the high school students, if they were listening, uh, if I were teaching high school, um, they w- would understand about the creation of these companies and where they would derive this so-called value.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about that. I want to address two things you said, though. Uh, one is Plato, because I think that... I think it's really interesting. I have to go back and reread Plato because I actually have a potentially, and I know this is not a popular uh, viewpoint ah. at all. This is mm-hmm. typically how he illustrates his point. Um And so, yes, I think there is an element of that. And what I also want to say is that, you know, people do often point to uh, you know, the noble eye, and that is kind of like the predecessor to these, the in- intelligence uh, constructs and webs and uh, secret societies and whatnot. But I think there's another possibility because you were dealing with a time where, of course, the, you know, parasite class who were the controllers uh, were doing everything they-, they had control over them. And so y- you couldn't really rebel against them. So, when he created his academy, there is the possibility that he was trying to create an alternative where there was an initiation, but, and there was an opportunity to ascertain esoteric knowledge, but uh, that it was done through a meritocracy versus through bloodlines and uh, rituals. And that's, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's entirely possible. And when you, when you look at his writing, you know, of course, most of, most, Most people, when they read Plato, like they start with the Republic. And it's kind of hard to start with the Republic if you don't have a context for someone's style and the way that they write, and you don't understand how he uses Socrates to, you know, illustrate his points. So I, I don't know. It's, I, I wasn't there, but I think it is really worth because think about it. He couldn't just start an academy that is, has a meritocratic, uh, kind of a, you know, element for uh, inculcation of information without these, you know, I, I don't want to call them the elites, but the parasite class, the, olig- the arc- oligarchical structure being allowing that. Right? Because right. Right. Only only the elites, only through that those bloodlines who had been inducted through essentially these traumatic rituals could have any kind of access to that esoteric occulted knowledge. And I feel like he was trying to create something, which is what we think of like higher education being. It's supposed to be, of course, it's not what it's become. And most of that is because of these secret societies who have changed it. But I'm talking about like the Ivy League schools or, you know, higher education. It's supposed to be a meritocratic system for people to be able to ascertain esoteric knowledge, you know, an advanced knowledge. and but of course what have they done that they have inverted it and they have infiltrated it. Uh, there's a great book. It's called Cloak and gown that talks a lot about that and how, uh, the secret societies along with the military industrial complex have done that. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't have the answer on it. And it's something I need to revisit to tease out in my own brain, but I wanted to present it. Um, and then I also, when you were talking about, uh, like what the, uh, big difference in, uh, you know, the, the two perspectives, I, I wanted to add that it's also about how they see, uh, you know, cause you were saying essentially that it's like, it's the, it's the big battle between the people who honor free will want to celebrate that and understand the, you know, the interplay between the individual and the collective versus those who want to control others and uh, you know, do that through kind of cult like uh, you know, institutions. And I think the other element of it is that there's also the people who, when they look at human nature, some people, the people who honor free will typically are those that acknowledge that human beings are inherently intrinsically flawed and they want to create a system whereby we can enhance the best aspects and, you know, allow for the emergence of the best aspects of humanity, but know that inherently we're flawed and it, it is going to be flawed because That's what a society will be because it's comprised of individuals who are flawed uh, versus those who think that man has the potential to be perfected. And of course, this is a very Gnostic type of view, right? You keep perfecting man to become Mm -hmm. God. Um, That's essentially what it is. And you look at the original name for the Illuminati. Which is way after Plato, but it's uh, of course drawn from you know principles. I, I think very much from the ancient mystery schools, and uh, their original name was the Perfectibilis. <laughs> the, the right, <laughs> and so they that they thought that man could be perfected, and they were just the ones to be illuminated enough to do it. And so, yeah. So sorry, that was a tangent, but I wanted to address because you had brought up those points. So,
0: well, no, but it is very important. And it, I should mention, I was speaking with someone a little bit earlier today when we talk about schooling, universities and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, even I, I was talking about uh, The Wizard of Oz and L. Mm-hmm. Frank Baum and how he was, a, he was a theosophist and there was the whole mm-hmm. debate for L. Frank Baum and writing you know Wizard of Oz he was very much in favor of the agricultural interests and they wanted a silver ba- a silver based dollar yep. versus the gold based dollar they owed a lot to the eastern interests and L. Frank Baum thought that the Eastern interests were exploiting them. So however, one wants to fall in the debate there. But what's really interesting is, of course, we know the Tin Man was representative, uh, supposed to be emblematic of the industrial worker. And in the book, yeah. his body parts, it was basically a Cyberman. They were replaced, slowly replaced by the industrialists because he was being worked to death until he became the Tin Man. Then you've got the scarecrow who represents the agriculturalist who is not the dumb hayseed that everyone thought that, or you know, the Eastern people would would, uh, portray him as. And what's fascinating is I've mentioned this a couple of times is if you look at, you know, we have the whole silver slipper thing in Wizard of Oz. It was originally
2: silver, not red.
0: Yeah, yeah, right on, exactly. And they changed it because of the lighting or something, I don't know, it just looked better in the movie or whatever. But you have the gold road and you know the the gold road leading to this fantasy world according to L. Frank Baum. Uh, you know, the whole debate as to which metal uh, obviously the farmers if they could pay back their debt in a dollar based on silver would then be paying back less than what they actually would have owed the eastern establishment if it were based on gold so there's some debate there as to whether or not they're defrauding or whether they were being exploited and people think it's fair that they could do that but what's interesting is if you look at the movie version of it after they throw the water on the witch she she goes down obviously they go to the the wizard and he says you liquidated her eh the assets of Mm -mm, course and he says very resourceful of you so they mix that in there, and then he gives the, the uh, scarecrow his university diploma. And what does the scarecrow recite? The Pythagorean theorem. Yeah. Because, of course, L. Frank Baum was an occultist, and he go- it goes all the way back pyth- to Pythagoras, who, as you say, was a devotee of the Egyptian mystery schools. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is all, it's all, the, all, all the alchemical stuff, all the Gnostic stuff, the perfectibility of man. It's even in the Wizard of Oz movie. And people don't even see it. It's just a It's it's amazing what is put right out in front of you. You know, Wayne McCroy is great on this stuff, and so is Chris Graves. I think.
2: Okay. Okay. Awesome. I actually did an episode uh, on that with uh, someone who did a like to teach. He used the Wizard of Oz to create kind of like a children's tutorial about uh, economics. And the history of it, yeah, it's great. I'll send you the link.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. So, okay, so, so, so yes, am I am I right in saying on the NAC thing, Courtney? Our guest is uh, Courtney Turner, folks, and uh, let me show you the website right now, since we've uh, we shown the shown the Twitter feed at Courtney Turner, and uh, let's just go over here. And you've got a great picture on your on your website of your morning appearance with Harrison on Infowars today. Oh. And uh, people can just click and play. And it's Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y, Turner, turne com. And Courtney, you've got a lot of resources there. All the different videos, the different podcasts. This one on cancer was absolutely great. Tess Laurie opening, I mean, uh, yeah. Lee Merritt opening things up. And uh, then this one, which was also great. And a lot of the things that you and I have discussed just briefly here, mm-hmm. things like Tavistock and stuff. Republican Party, just great. So uh, again, folks, go to CourtneyTurner.com and check it out. And remember, it's C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. And um, how often a week do you put out your own material, Courtney? And then we'll go back to the NAC. Thing. Sure.
2: So I, I put out at least three times a week, uh, uh, one of my interviews. I do the show with Dr. Lee Merritt uh, once a week. So that's called Dangerous Dames. So that's four. Um, but i i've done uh, in the past three weeks we well i guess three and a half weeks it's been almost 40 of my own and then going on other shows as well so yeah i i don't know that we'll keep that up but it's It's been yeah there were some there have been some days with three four tomorrow i have four i did have five but we moved one so yeah it's it's excellent and
0: and you know, from a person who, you know, just saw you uh, and admired some of the things you do, the way you responded to me, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you could hear what I was saying, or if you saw my little sign when you were in the back room before we started the show, but, you know, I tried to give you the big thank you on a note and all that stuff. So, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it's, it's awesome stuff. So, okay. So Uh, some people might be wondering this, say, now, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. hold on a second. Okay, so I understand, you know, they, uh, you know, to put my to play mild devil's advocate here, or at least right. a person trying to absorb this information. Sure. They might say, okay. I'm up to speed on the ways that they've taken over land, the ways that they've played on people's uh, kind hearts to think, oh, we're preserving this or pre- we're preserving that when it's all, when we is the pronoun of forced inclusion, if we look at the polis, but okay. they accept this stuff. They say, oh, it represents American values to have the Western lands taken care of and all these things. And then they amp it up with, you know, heritage sites. Oh, we've got to take care of this. We've got to do this, got to do that. It's heritage, you know, whatever. Um, so they get involved with they they say okay i sort of understand that dialectical process uh the idea of cultural marxism then being translated into the natural world there's always a victim we've got to protect people it's a crisis we're going to do mm-hmm. this but again they might be wondering how can they take something that inherently doesn't have any value or something that hasn't been put through a tort system to show that it actually has a danger
3: mm-hmm. and then
0: say we're going to create, we're going to allow. This is where I think maybe the questions arise. The SEC just allowing these companies. It would be one thing if they were just to allow these companies and there weren't forces like the forces pushing the mortgages back in you know, the mid-2000s to 2008. If there weren't forces propelling these things with money. So how, will they, how would they or will they, if they get this through, how will they get these companies that are allowed by the SEC to then say, because I would have no problem if somebody wanted to say, hey, I've got a company called Joe's Carbon Credits, man. Like Howie Carr on radio. He does this. How uh, uh, Honest Howie's Carbon Credits. He jokes around about it. He's been doing it for years. He's like, yeah, come buy my house. Because he knows it's bogus. He knows the whole thing okay. is absolutely ridiculous. It's his birthday today, by the way. So I have a birthday. My musician. Yeah.
2: Uh, what's that? Uh, mine was no, mine was two days ago. I've lost track of the days. Yeah. <laughs> hey!
0: Oh, happy birthday! Happy Thank 2024. You. Good stuff. <laughs> um. And yeah, boy, am I glad you're here. So, um. Okay. So let's let's discuss if you can try to express it in a way that shows that it's basically leveraging, it's commoditizing something that really has not been shown to have any value. What would the process be? Let's say it's a startup company. Where would this investment come from? And okay. that investment itself would be backed by something fairly fascist, I would so, assume.
2: Well, yes, it's a private part public partnership. That's that's there the whole uh infrastructure for all of this. So uh, I, I will just say, no, I would not be happy even if they allowed it. That's essentially what they're doing. What they want to do is the proposed rule by the uh SEC was to allow the New York Stock Exchange to list a new category of companies, these companies who called natural asset companies. So now what this means is it's an umbrella. It's kind of an encasement for a type of a category of companies. So for people to invest in that are publicly traded. Now this means that foreign adversaries can invest in it. They can invest in land. So you brought up things like, you know, heritage, of course there's, you know, like our 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 forest, you know, uh, natural uh, forests and uh, you know, the federal lands that are owned, and of course, that's obviously in danger, and it's part of the reason I think why I say it makes sense that someone like Marlow Oaks would be very much alerted to it. Well, also, the state treasurers are you know, they understand the finances of this, and uh, they recognize that this is absolutely you know, junk <laughs> economics. This is not you know, makes no sound logical sense uh, mathematically, uh, but it also. You know, they, they know how the impact that it could have for the American economy, for, you know, the people who are not part of this, uh, you know, elite kind of parasitical class and where they don't right. have, yeah, uh, for the rest of us, it could be absolutely devastating and it could not only, uh, starve us out, but, uh, you know, withhold all of our natural resources, which means things right. like, uh, you know, not being able to drill oil. So not having uh, energy, not being able to heat up uh, and cool our, our houses. It's a, uh, you know, it's very, very problematic and very dangerous. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, so it's a, it makes it a, it's a, it's a category that, that can be invested in. Um, and then it could be, you don't have to be even, you know, it's because it's publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. As I said, it could be a foreign adversary. China could invest. So an example for that might be there might be land that's very rich in lithium. You know, China is the number one uh, lithium battery, lithium, lithium battery uh, you know, manufacturer currently and they would not want us to have land that's very rich in lithium that we start extracting lithium from, right? So they could invest in these natural asset companies, but here's the kicker is they don't actually even have to take ownership. It is about management under ecosystem management. So this is where it becomes problematic potentially. So they could They could invest in this lithium uh, rich property and now have ecosystem management rights to control that property and say that no lithium can be mined on it because it violates conservation policies and ecosystem policies. you know, protection rights or whatever it is they want to call it, um, and because they keep renaming this thing, that's why, that's why I say that. <laughs> um, but I, I've recently looked into what the UN means by regenerative, and it's not at all what we think of when we think of regenerative farming. So they they yeah, keep yeah. changing definitions constantly to uh, you know suit their agenda. But here's right. where it really it, it can affect private property as well. So let's say you owned a piece of land and that land got is part of a land trust maybe you inherited the land as part of you know a trust and you didn't know so this is where it, you might not the landowner might not even be aware they don't need their permission to have it be enrolled in this natural asset company and so let's say there's a conservation easement on that land and it's part of a natural asset company and that property was very rich in lithium and you suddenly find that out and now you want to start a lithium mining business. But now, uh, you know, China has invested in this NAC that is on your property and part of that is that conservation easement and now you won't have access because they'll determine that it violates their ecosystem management. So, yeah. So there's all yeah. sorts of, uh, yeah. I mean, and there I, are many, many scenarios, but yeah.
0: Well, you know, Courtney, it's interesting because I, I keep hearing RGGI in the back of my mind. And every time I think about this, I think about how perverse this is because really what they're doing is without, again, if, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I run through a lot of times on the show, I'll talk about common law torts and I'll say, mm-hmm. look, Uh, The the way that you can actually present a price tag for something that could be detrimental to one's neighbor, that could be a negative, is Mm -hmm. you have to allow the neighbor to claim damage X, Y, or Z person. And that person claims a tortious claim and says, I have been hurt. And then whoever is going to hear this, I would rather have common law, you know, judicial system or whatever, or the right. Brihan law system or whatever. But, um, then they say, okay, we'll hear it. Can you prove the case? And then a penalty is attached to that form of pollution and that right. form of behavior with the pollution. So you have private property recognition, a court system or adjudication system to protect that private property. And then the cost of that, in addition to what we normally might work, work out through uh, resource allocation. How much time does it take? How much did I spend to make, to get this shovel, to get this resource? Now we've got is this going to damage somebody else if I engage in this behavior? I've got to insure and indemnify against against that. What they do is they set up a fake indemnification system whereby mm-hmm. with the regional greenhouse gas initiative, all these East Coast governors bought into this, the government, the federal government creates this cost of carbon or whatever it might be out of thin air. And then mm-hmm. they say, okay, in order to comply with what we say, are the ways that we prevent the catastrophic problems that will come in the future. You must do X, Y, and Z. So, of course, the large corporations are leverageable. They can then in, invest in the scrubbers or the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh, getting rid of their trash in some dump or whatever that is going to be, you know, in the desert or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whatever it's going to be, the carbon capture tunnels, which are just yeah. ridiculous, you know. <laughs> so they can. Yeah. And then the concept of our GGI, Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, was that if you couldn't afford it, if you were a startup company, then you could buy the credits and that's where this fake arbitrary yeah. totally synthesized market comes from because they're claiming that the penalties now have a value their their penalties are made up they're actually not reflective of harming anyone it's just right. that it's just the king saying if you engage in in turning your head this way you must pay me this many times Mm-hmm. So that's essentially what they're doing. They're just making up a behavior they don't like. And if you want to engage in the behavior, even though it's not going to harm anybody, they'll right. penalize you. And if you can afford it, that's cool. You can buy off. Like I'm John Kerry. Do you know how much I pay in carbon credits to get out here to Davos? Abiy Yamani. Do you know that? Stop walking next to me on in the streets of Davos. Get out of here. I'm gonna have that lady push you aside, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And totally. Uh, yeah. And and so they so, they do sir. that. And, That's how they create their their so-called market, because at that point, then you'll see a lot of money going into the investing in the large leverageable companies that have that legible leverageable capital. They'll grow even more and they need the money because a lot of them who started this ESG stuff, they're they're already being sued for breaching their fiduciary responsibilities. As you mentioned, BlackRock has uh, BlackRock is heavily involved in Mississippi. Tennessee and Arkansas. It's called Region
2: Smart, and I did do some investigating, and apparently it was shut down, Um, but it does look like they still have their website up and... uh, I, they're involved in a lot of things there' some other things that are called like eye shares and the, a lot of things it looks like they're pivoting and rebranding because that that did get shut down fortunately, mm. so this is what mm. I mean we have to stay vigilant because they just keep moving the needle and uh you know they're they're not gonna take no for an answer so uh, at least not easily so um but fortunately that did get shut down. I think two states had to agree to it and mm. uh it was definitely shut down by uh, Arkansas, I'm pretty sure. And then I think Mississippi uh, shut it down as well. So,
0: And yeah. I think, uh, you know, a lot of free market people might say, oh, Courtney, how can you oppose the lifting of the government hand to allow which the SEC, this is the way they portray it. We're just allowing greater freedom. But what they're allowing is people who are frauds to be able to start dealing in their fraudulent system even more. There's plenty more Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for being in the audience, and please spread the word. We'll be back.
3: The new fourth edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a foreword by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the fourth edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount.
0: We continue on Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live with our conversation with Courtney Turner talking about NACs, natural asset companies, and how they basically represent massive government fascist setups to charge people for the government not going after people and pretend that that is somehow an asset that can be traded. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of free market people might say, oh, Courtney, how can you oppose the lifting of the government hand to allow which the SEC, this is the way they portray it. We're just allowing greater freedom. But what they're allowing is people who are frauds to be able to start dealing in their fraudulent system even more.
2: So this is, this is where the dialectic comes into play right because you look at things like the cold war and it's like we keep pointing the finger at the, those commies the communists it's the communists and and meanwhile the fascists are building their 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 whole infrastructure And, you know, I I keep saying it's all roads lead to tyranny, all roads lead to totalitarianism. And both of them are just creating a dialectical synthesis for the technocratic takeover. And, of course, that's the AI world society that they're building. They want to create a, you know, a centralized World governance. And the term they use is governance. And I think that that is an important distinction, uh, because a lot of people think of it being like a centralized governing body. And of course, if we look at it, things like the World Economic Forum and like the UN certainly look like they're priming themselves to be that centralized governing body. Uh, but Really, if you dig into the history of how these things work, uh, this is why I I keep saying I'm so frustrated with people. It's like the only game they ever learned how to play was pin the tail on the donkey. And, uh, you know, it's a they just want to reduce everything to a very over like ridiculously oversimplified, you know, one like monolithic kind of a uh, problem you know it's okay well we just eradicate this one thing and uh, then all our problems disappear and that's just unfortunately it's not how it works i mean i human beings are complex and then you you get You know, billions of human beings together. I mean, things are going to be a little bit more complicated than that. And what they do, though, when you look throughout history is they they create consortiums. This is really I I think this is the the groundwork, the foundation of infrastructure for fascism is when you look at conglomerates of companies that is the the blueprint and that is how all of these different webs work they have these little you know steering committees they have these ngos they have their little you know all the branches of the military industrial com- uh, military industrial complex uh, of course then uh, you know the offshoots which is the medical industrial complex yeah. the media right. industrial complex <laughs> and uh, it goes on and on but yeah. they they have within those that they're all interconnected and it's a web and it's, it's like a, it's a cartel. It's like the mafia, you know, the, the, the the mafia boss, the mob boss isn't running around like killing people. He's got his hitman out doing that because that creates some degree of separation. It's much harder to pin the tail on the donkey. (laughs) So you can't, you know, just, uh, you know, it's harder to trace the crime. And that's what they do. And so I think that the term governance is a much more accurate way of looking at it. But when you look at things like they have said, they want decentralized governance, they want a centralized religion. And it looks like this AI world society kind of You know, encompasses all of that because even when you look back and you read people like Kissinger and Brzezinski and H.G. Wells and Bertrand Russell, they all talked about, you know, how it was going to be the rise (laughs) of the technocracy and, you know, Kissinger and Brzezinski and uh, Jacques Attali, they talked about how it was going to be the East and the West. So essentially the communists and the fascists and you know the capitalists to some degree is being they're creating the clash in order to pit them against uh, each other for dialectical progression. Uh, you yep. know, so you think of the dialectic kind of like a spiral that goes towards the Omega point, of course for Hegel, the Omega point was God equals the state. The state is God and mm. they want a centralized world state. And,
0: Absolutely.
2: Uh, and I think that the AI God is essentially what they're uh, pointing towards. And uh, it looks like a cyber Satan to me, if you ask me. Um, but I think that this whole thing is related to it because, I really think that, yes, there's, so there's another really sneaky thing that they can do. So I was giving the analogy of like how uh, uh, lithium or gold mining or oil, for example, right? So they could tell you that you couldn't farm, you can't drill, you can't extract resources. You can't even breathe the air on that land because that's, you know, it it needs to be conserved. That's that's the big big word that they keep using. But Mm. what they can do is they can delist it. As a knack. So they delist it from the market, and now they can go and drill, breathe the air, farm. Um, but what they can also do, so the regenerative seems to have, according to the UN, more of a uh, biosynthetic connotation. And yep. it, as it, it's an inverse, right? This is what they do. It's an inverse yep. of reality, it's always an inverse of the natural order of things. And I think that. What, where they're going with that is that because they see it as well that will be conserving the natural land in its natural state because now you're creating all the synthetic you're not using it's not productive use um, so that's going to you know be a way of funneling towards these carbon offsets uh, yeah. under the umbrella of the natural asset company so. <laughs> And
0: you know, you know, Courtney, there, there are two two directions. Obviously, we go back to history yeah. and Gnosticism and things like that, which essentially, uh, if it's essentially just human hubris, and whether or not people are willing to buy into the idea that this is a multi generational, intentional, generation to generation tied interest group set of bloodlines and people and banking interests and things, or it's just different sets of generational. Um, uh you might say uh 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 people who are, are engaging in opportunism uh, mm-hmm. and they see what has been built already and then they'll they'll pattern their, their behavior after that behavior and so on and then they tie themselves into the already extant <laughs> corrupt systems, whichever That's it is a
2: combination is. of both, honestly, but yeah. yeah. Right. Are,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I think I think that's exactly it. And I think the people at the core of it know that there's that mentality, yep. that hubristic mentality. And of course, yeah. they have the ultimate hubris into thinking that they can get to this perfectibility through the technocracy. And and as we say, you know, it goes all the way back to the mystery schools, to Gnosticism. And uh, but if we look at if we even if we want to just pare that away. The manifestation of how this will play out or how it looks like it would play out in your eyes with the attack on private property. Let's repeat that and then give people a couple of resources because I know, you know, you've devoted a lot of time here. So I want to give you the opportunity to tell people where can they go for the immediate day to day? What are we looking at now sort of situation? And the people who've done some really good stuff, if you want to mention any names again.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so I will just address what you're saying about, I do think it is a, a combination of the two. And, uh, this is part of how they create assets and useful ideas because we, we can look back at the MK Ultra studies and they were, uh, in, they were studying ways that you could create and, uh, uh heighten you know, dark triad personality types, and this is because they are easier to manipulate and control, and create uh, controlled assets out of. And so, of course, the uh, dark triad, for those who may not know, are the narcissistic personality. So that's where there's the hubris, uh, there's Machiavellian, Machiavellian, um, and psychopathic, uh, which it does seem like the the parasite class seems to comprise of lots of those, and usually those they do come in threes, typically. So, hence the triad. Uh, so. Yeah so you were asking about like where can they find uh, more resources on this and yeah uh, and,
0: and, and and what would what would the uh what would the the stages of this what we were seeing as you were saying you know commoditizing literally commoditizing things like carbon dioxide, our breathing, uh, you know, private property, not necessarily being taken by eminent domain, but essentially being taken through other means and regulatory means and so on and so forth. And a couple of the areas that you see as the big red flags for people to keep in mind as they enter this and investigate the NAC phenomenon that they're pushing.
2: I think there's a couple of things to bear in mind. So they did withdraw the listing on the New York Stock Exchange, but The uh, White House seems to be very invested in, they've already count, uh, they've already created, as I mentioned, this, uh, you know, uh, uh, statistics uh, for environmental economic decisions. Uh, So they are definitely laying groundwork. To implement this in other ways, which not necessarily through uh, public companies that are listed on the stock exchange, but they are definitely laying the groundwork for this type of valuation of natural assets. Um, They, of course, also put nature on the balance sheet. That was an executive order that the White House put on. Um, So I would look at things like that because I think that needs to be stopped. I I think there should be pressure on local and federal uh, political representatives to, I mean, to push against that there is nature should not be there should not be a value placed on nature there's a reason why they were struggling to do it it's because you can't put a value an economic value on nature
0: and the Uh, other thing that i would mention is that immediately assumes that they can control it and run it and and basically it's in their it's in their uh it's the government's determination of it's their property they can determine what the valuation is of of all land Whereas yes. we should be the ones to decide do we want it for natural resources, do we want it for this natural resource, that natural resource Do we and want the it individual for should. you
2: know as Margaret Beifeld said, if we don't own property, then we are the property of that zone, right? You own nothing be happy that's what it's yes. all about yes. uh, so the other thing that I would really look for is and uh, you know where I am there's a huge but it's all throughout the country there's a huge push for uh, you know conservation easements and conservation in general. you talked about the heritage. Um, and that Again. is a huge, huge push. And I think people need to be, you know, really use discernment with that because I think that is a way that they're going to try and put things under an umbrella where they can then argue that there can't be any production on it because we have to, uh, you know, preserve the green agenda and, uh, the green earth plan. So. I, I would be on the lookout for those types of things because I, as the NAC shows, it's not just about ownership. It's really about controlling rights. So they can regulate. I used to make this joke as a kid when, uh, you know, but they were buying up all the bottles of water. I'm like, what next are they going to, like, you know regulate and commodify air. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah. I thought it was
2: hilarious. You know, I'm like, they're gonna sell us air and uh here we are that they're like literally trying to regulate the air we breathe. So mm-hmm. I, I- think we just need to be really mindful of the little games and also the definition changes um because they're already putting in a lot of propaganda you know like the propaganda against meat um and of course in that kind of backfired and that goes back to Plato too remember plato was yeah. saying meat should only be reserved for uh the elites and the soldiers and right <laughs> yeah why because it other the the rest were to be remain dumb and docile um, right yeah and, so and
0: goodness knows you need the soldiers to protect so we've got to decide who gets what because they've got, got to be it. the strongest to protect you it's for your own good right for your
2: own good yes mm-hmm. always it's always for our own good yeah yeah so i i would be really you know they they you know, aware of like the pro- the propaganda that they're injecting. So there's there's already, they're demonizing meat. And of course, that's so they could create their fake meat and tell us that uh, meat is bad for the planet because, you know, the cow farts are somehow destroying the air. Um, and uh, it's just a bold-faced lie, bold-faced Lie the cows are actually really good for the planet. It is part of the ecosystem. Um, uh, Rob Wolf, I've interviewed him. He wrote a great book on it called "The Sacred Cow," uh, about all de- debunking all of the the lies on uh, how meat is bad for. Her. And of course, you know the meat that they're creating these fake meat. And of course, they want to. until when that backfires, what do they do? Then they try to inject things like the mRNA into the meat. Um, so they're they're doing whatever they possibly. They're creating fake salt. Uh, so they really want to, I think, so what I was saying about my vision for what they want to do, I do think it's partly so that they can starve us out, control the resources, uh, make it so that people can, don't have any private ownership of land. Um, that I think is all very valid. However, I think part of it is also so they can terraform that land and create their, you know, metaverse, uh, world. And uh, yeah, so I think people just need to, uh, whatever they can do locally to push back against these sort of things, really just, and be uh, on the lookout for how things get rebranded, how they get renamed. Um, And so some of the great resources I mentioned, American Stewards of Liberty, they've been really tracking this. It's AmericanStewards.us. Really easy to remember. Uh, they've been doing great work, Margaret By- Byfield. I- I've had her on, and she she's been really sounding the alarm and tracking this for a long time. I'm going to have her back on to talk about what the White House is doing and how we should follow this and what we should look for next. Um, and who else has been? Uh, of course, Marlo Oaks, and uh, he's the treasurer for Utah. He wrote that fantastic letter. Got 22 other state treasurers, and then there was that O A
0: K. Is that O A K
2: E S? I believe so.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah or- and It's funny because when I heard the name Marlon, I was like, is that a woman or a guy? So I had to yeah. go do some searching there. Yeah. Um, so great. yeah, Marlon Oaks. And, and where is he from? Utah. Utah. Utah.
2: Okay. Yeah. He's the state yeah. treasurer for Utah. And then there were 25 attorney generals. There, then their, their comments letter can be found. They mostly targeted uh, the legality. And uh, that was the why I was pushing for people to submit their comments because my understanding was that it might go to, if it did go through, the next step would be a lawsuit. And the people who had written comments, submitted comments would have legal standing. Uh, they would have some legal recourse. So we really, I mean, and also just the numbers, the optics, which apparently was effective. So, wow. uh, But you should look at their, um, under the comments, the attorney generals, it was 25, so half the country uh, attorney generals did to make a case that this was illegal, and they outlined that beautifully, way more beautifully than I am equipped or uh, knowledgeable enough to do. Um, and then there are there other people, uh, James Lindsay has been really sounding the alarm all over Twitter, him and Michael O'Fallon, and he's been drawing some of the, uh, you know, kind of Marxist origins of the concepts, you know, the yeah. degrowth principle, the metabolic rift and how this is all part of that. Uh, yep. So, if you want some of the philosophical kind of, uh, you know, cultural and narrative uh, uh, underpinnings of all of this, uh, that he's been doing a great job of outlining all of that. And uh, who else? I'm sure I'm leaving people out, but there have been. I, I'm grateful that this this did get some traction, and it, it looks like this was a small win for now. And we stay vigilant and keep on top of it. So.
0: Courtney, if you if you have a second, I'd like to turn just something just popped up in the corner of my eye. I know that uh, there are people watching on X Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, Amanda is over there right now. Thank you, Amanda, for saying hello. And I also want to mention to the Rockfin and Rumble crowd. I haven't been able to turn to you folks yet. So if you want to post a couple quick questions for Courtney, uh, JB, Karen, Cajun Times. Thank you all. I'm just seeing a piece of the window right now. Mm -hmm. And then I want to also go over to Rumble, Freegan, Risha M., Uh, K.R. Carpe 27, Lieutenant Oracle of Truth. Thank you all for being there. Uh, And um, so, and I also want to mention if you, you know, I I probably don't have to, but if you're listening on podcast or anything like that, or you're watching after the fact, uh, just go in and you hear these names and just pause it, write it down. And then yeah. go there, you know that sort of yeah. thing. Um, this yeah. is the sort of thing is yeah. In my work, I'll be listening to David Knight in the morning, and he's so full of great information. I'll say, oh, I got to write that down. And then it ends up I can write an article for MRCTV just based on the fact that I was listening to David Knight and I heard <laughs> David Knight mention something. So you know, yeah. we all get information from so many places. But I want to mention that, and if people want to bring their comments in, uh, that would be very very cool. I just want to mention that uh, also. Um, I want to bring this to your attention, Courtney, if I can, I'll bring it up on the screen in just a minute. Um, yeah. And then we've got, and by the way, as a guy who used to walk through a cow pasture on the way back from school, um, yeah, you know, and and it was funny because the farmer originally was just stone walls and barbed wire fence. You know, it was old rusty barbed wire fence from like the 1800s. You just you know, you jump over it or whatever. Sometimes you rip your jeans or whatever, you know? Uh, Um, and then, uh, one day I didn't know it. He had gotten an electric fence on the back side where I would pass oh. through towards some woods, and I didn't know it. And I walked into the electric fence, and it was bizarre. I got, <laughs> I got it hit me. I was like, Whoa. Whoa. it was the weird, yeah, it was made me sweat. It was like, what the heck was oh, that? Oh, wow, yeah, that it was scary. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty funny, you know, but uh, I'd rather have that guy. Accidentally fencing me and then the greenies and the, the fascists, the, the green and green and brown, the, the totally. brown hiding behind the green. Right. That's uh, right. So, yeah, I want to show you something, Courtney, uh, okay. just very, very quickly. Uh, this is back from. Yeah. Back in October. I thought it was September, but it was October. And so huh. I'll bring this up on the screen before we go. Uh, this is the piece that I wrote for MRC TV a while back about the Federal mm-hmm. Reserve announcing this pilot program for major U.S. banks to manage climate risk. Mm -hmm. And again, a totally arbitrary thing here. And I said the six banks are Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. And, of course, it's all the ESG agenda and stuff like that. It's the Climate Credit Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative thing where they would just create some number and then the feds would sift through it and they would say, oh, yeah, okay, sure, we, we're going to come up with this as our cost for climate. Uh, Even Mm -hmm. Donald Trump, that so-called hero for so many conservatives, they had already established this arbitrary cost for climate under Obama, which was in the 50s per uh, (laughs) metric ton of carbon, uh, which is ridiculous. You know, again, we haven't determined that carbon dioxide is costing or harming people. So how they can apply It's literally the
2: life molecule. I'm sorry. Anybody who's science knows this. Like, how have they convinced people otherwise? When you, what do greenhouses do? They inject CO2. That's literally, it's a life molecule. The fact that they have created this whole narrative around literally the inverse of reality is just mind-boggling.
0: Because of course, it's the byproduct of human ingenuity and better living standards, you know. And so we know that it is anti-economic by its nature. It is the flagship of anti-economic fascism. That term. Mm -hmm. And 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 what's interesting is. The, the, the one thing I'll draw from this, and I, you know, I wrote about this as they were pushing this and so on, and I, I wrote about rent-seeking and so on, yeah. but all those banks, and this is what we face, and I don't want it to sound daunting, but right. I think the more we recognize these internal fascist, corporate crony capitalist things, sure. uh, which many of the Marxists who also actually are really fascists Uh, will say, oh, that's capitalism. We hate the free market. The free market wouldn't allow for banks to be getting money from a fiat currency central bank that's given the monopoly of our currency. It would allow for free banking, and we could use our own items and determine value on those. And so we are definitely up against a multi-generational, multi-decades, now centuries plus 10 years almost, uh, age of the Federal Reserve, And the various other banking interests and the people behind Mm -hmm. that, Henry Clay, Alexander Hamilton, even Abraham Lincoln to some to some degree, in many cases for the northern interests. And, uh, you know, the the actual criminal elements and Lincoln was massively criminal, of course. Um, But um, Mm -hmm. I think it's it's partially recognition of the mindset, but also recognition of this, this, these stepping stones that they've laid down. And unless I think people will be causing them it might sound like a vexing problem to see this giant wall in front of us this cliff cliff that has to be scaled upwards we got to climb mm-hmm. you know right. or sis, it, yeah it might be Sisyphean, you know there's right, that right. great you know yeah, yeah. and climbing um,
2: up the hill with the rock yeah, yeah
0: right only to see it fall back down yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and but as as Camus said in the myth of Sisyphus you know Sisyphus was free when he was going back down the hill it just depended on his mindset. Yeah. Did he feel like he was put upon and cursed to have to take this burden on or would he enjoy that free time and rekindle his spirits? And I don't want to sound too saccharine or anything like that, but I do want to say it's so refreshing. I mean, you swept into my radar screen mm. like, you know, the proverbial breath of fresh air and the yeah. the scholarship you've got and the dynamic way that you get this out here. I'll check in one last time with Rockfin and Rumble, okay. and then uh, and then uh, you know we'll let the uh, the Greenies put you back in their corral, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Courtney Turner is in there, and um, uh, it, they're having conversation about some uh, some battles that they're doing them, themselves. Uh, information <laughs> provided and in, uh, not and not fighting with each other, but fighting against the bad guys. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so just want to get up a little bit farther into. Yeah. Yeah. Um Courtney, here. yeah. Karen Carpenter says, Does Courtney think we can stop the WHO One Health and how it's mm-hmm. being rebranded?
2: Well, so in one of the things that was brought to my attention recently was that uh part of the like nascent origins of this was they tried to put together a biodiversity treaty and it actually didn't get passed. So I yeah. And, uh, of course, they're rebranding, they're, you know, moving forward with all of the, and part of the, I think the NACS was part of that as well, because it was all in the name of biodiversity and preserving the wildlife. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that was one of the claims that they were making. Uh, but I bring that up to say, because when you ask about the WHO, and of course, right now they're uh, talking about their pandemic treaty and the amendments to the pandemic <laughs> treaty,
0: There's plenty more Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Gardner Goldsmith. Thank you so much for being in the audience, and please spread the word. We'll be back.
1: Free Talk Live.
0: We continue on Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live with our conversation with Courtney Turner, talking about NACs natural asset companies and how they basically represent massive government fascist setups to charge people for the government not going after people and pretend that that is somehow an asset that can be traded.
2: And one of the things that was brought to my attention recently was that uh, part of the like Nascent origins of this was they tried to put together a biodiversity treaty, and it actually didn't get passed. So I, yeah, and uh, of course they're rebranding. They're you know moving forward with all of the and part of the. I think the Nax was part of that as well because it was all in the name of biodiversity and preserving the wildlife and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that was one of the claims that they were making. Uh, but I bring that up to say because you ask about the WHO, and of course, right now they're uh, talking about their pandemic treaty and the amendments to the pandemic <laughs> treaty, which are pretty terrifying for anybody who's looked into it just even cursorily. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so do I think we can stop the, the WHO? I, I mean, I think the WHO should be completely dismantled, and if nothing else. Except
0: for the band, of course, yes.
2: Yes. Right. If, yeah. No, the band was great. <laughs> but uh yeah, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, I think the who and if nothing else, well, the United States should just pull out of the who. I mean, there's just absolutely you know, we should not be involved at all. Uh Do I think they can be stopped? So I don't know if they can really I think that they can we can have guardrails. This is part of so using my my tweet about uh, the beekeeper analogy of the United States. I It's not that I think the United States is. I think the people of the United States can be a bulwark uh, to preserve the free will of humanity. Kind of like the beekeeper. Because, you know, they say if all the bees go, then the world ceases to exist. Right? Everything. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, yes.
2: The bees are integral. So beekeepers are really, really, like, you know, seminal to uh, the existence of uh, life and uh, earth. And I see America kind of I see the people of America kind of that way that it's incumbent upon us to stand for the free will of humanity. And I think this is part of why people from all over the world do really look to the United States. And I'm not saying this is not to be like America centric and, you know, say that we are the best or there's pluses and minuses. I mean, if we're going to be honest and, you know, rational about this. But it, we do have something very unique, particularly, I, you know, of course, I believe in restoration of the Constitution. But even more than that, it's really something so unique in our Bill of Rights, this notion that we were endowed with, you know, rights by our creator. Um Yeah. And that, the you know, the Bill of Rights are there to preserve those rights and protect us from any government infringing upon those rights. That is a very unique concept, not to say that nobody else has ever had that thought before, but to have it codified in, you know, a founding uh, integral document for which the United States is, you know, the country, the nation is founded upon uh, is very unique. And I think that it's something that we really need to uphold Uh, And through that, uh, all this to get back to the who, right, to be involved in any kind of a, you know, worldwide centralized kind of uh, an apparatus and infrastructure like that is, you know, antithetical to, forget the Constitution, to the Bill of Rights. You know, you can't, all of these policies that the who wants to make are, you can't there's a reason why we have the 10th Amendment even, right? right? Even for the federal government to make policy over, you know, people living in Florida versus people in in uh, Washington state. I mean, their environments are so different. Just their temperature and their topography. Exactly. Radically exactly. different. So, you know, and the same thing is going to apply for, uh, you know, people's health when you're living in different environments, when you have access to different resources, when you have uh, different socioeconomic environments, your, your health is going to be impacted very differently. So to make a blanket, kind of, I and we don't even need to just look at, you know, worldwide to make that point. I mean, we could just look at a state, people who live in a very rural area of one state versus in a city of one state. We saw this with things like COVID and you can argue about what COVID was, but, you know, I, I'm very much not a, a germ theory uh, person. So I, I don't really subscribe to that. I, not at least not in terms of contagions. Uh, mm-hmm. But, But even even if you were to subscribe to that, we saw what happened with people who lived in certain cities versus people who lived in uh, more rural areas and how they were impacted. So we're supposed to have a blanket kind of policy that applies to everyone. It's it's asinine. It's absolutely preposterous. Yeah,
1: yeah. So do I yeah. think
2: we can, to answer the question, can we push back uh, against, can we stop the who? I don't know if we can stop the who because so many other countries really are just completely bought into this whole UN agenda. Um, they, they've they already, uh, in many ways, just kind of ceded to that. that mm-hmm. I don't know that we can stop that. Uh, but I think that... We can lead by example and we can opt out and we can protect America. We can restore the Bill of Rights, potentially the Constitution, uh, the entire Constitution. Uh, but, you know, first and foremost, we can restore the Bill of Rights, which is in great jeopardy right now. So
0: so true. And, and you know, uh, in in saying so true, I don't want to, you know, cut you off or anything. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. no. Courtney, yeah. uh, you, you talk about restoration. Yeah, occasionally I'll mention things to people. You know, I saw my brother the other night was watching on Twitter and that restored, you know, energy to me and that (laughs) sort of thing. And I see the comments from the Rockfin chatters or the Rumble chatters. And some of these people I know, some of these people host their own shows. David Knight has me fill in for him sometimes. And that restores my energies and and yeah so to to just mention this really is without being you know without you know spouting rhetoric or anything it really is a grounding it's a restoration just talking to you and thinking about the things that we can do as we work to try to eliminate some of these controllers in our lives and i think You're absolutely right. You know, I'm, again, a voluntarist, but we can Mm -hmm. hold the document up that they swore to uphold. And even though they have placed people in the courts that are fatuous blowhards, yeah. you know, Soros connected people or the people who are working to try to get themselves up to become a governor here or a this or that or appointed to a higher court system. And they don't care. They just go with starry diseases. And, well, yes, we're we're just saying that we're making things up, you know, Um I think we, we can use that as a defensive weapon and say, and, and in fact, I'll even show on, on your uh, Twitter feed here, Monica Perez, great defender of freedom says, I call our constitution hashtag the thin parchment line between humanity and world tyranny. Example, when we lose our second amendment, the world's governments will not hold back. No downside to showing their hand after that. It is a very strong line of at least written defense to show people say no you're not supposed to do this based on your promises i never signed it but you promised so lay off you know
2: exactly and i i I love monica by the way we've done several shows together and i had i had the great pleasure of uh we actually did a show in person i was out Ah. in california and we got to do one we got to meet in real life and do a show together so that was super fun um and we we talked about the uh uh, left-right uh, dialectics and uh, endangering actually the Constitution, you know, for constitutional uh, subversion. Uh, but I, I wanted to address when you talked about voluntarism and uh, I've wrestled with this a lot kind of personally. Um, you know, I think that it, I, 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 very reticent to ever label myself. I think that that's part of that whole, you know, the group identity where they can pit us against each other. Uh, So I I tend to refrain from that. And I'm, I'm such a divergent thinker anyway. So I have a hard time agreeing holistically with anyone set of uh, ideals, but I will say this, even as a, even though that is something I very much align uh, largely with, I still think at the local level, we do have a lot of power Uh, politically. And people really need to engage locally, even if it's not, you know, quote unquote politically, but at least actively, communally, uh, definitely there's a lot of power there. I still believe uh, if there's any power at all, I think that's where it is and that's where it yeah. resides. And mm-hmm. I almost think that if we could replicate uh, like, you know, the the cantons, but without the socialism, that would almost be one of the most ideal. <laughs> that would
0: be great. Yeah. That would be absolutely terrific. Yes, absolutely. Decentralization is so, so important and it has to be based on a recognizable defendable arguable set yeah. of standards and i think if we go to the federalist concept as originally uh, i would i would anti-federalist exactly i was going <laughs> to say i would prefer to have the articles of confederation but at least the us constitution <laughs> as it was written you know we can hold it up we, we can defend these things and we can draw out the history for these lessons yeah. we can say look this is where the usurpations happened you know these yeah. are the You know, which um, I think
2: was in our Declaration of Independence like 30 times.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) That train's getting pretty stinking long, huh? The train of abuses, right, Courtney? Um, (laughs) So let me show your website again because I I hope I can attract four or five people watching right now to go to your website. Courtney Turner's website, everybody, check it out, because in particular, you can check out Venmo, ways that you can uh, get in touch with Courtney to schedule an appearance, uh, to Mm -hmm. schedule a talk. And, Courtney, uh, do you have some ideas on what you might be telling us uh, might be coming in the future for you over the next week or so? Uh, You probably are really tired after all this work. (laughs)
2: yeah i i was really hoping i might get so i wanted to take the weekend off last weekend for my birthday but that didn't happen because i was very focused on this um so it did not happen at all so i'm kind of hoping i might do that this weekend uh but i don't know because i have uh four possibly i'm waiting to hear back five shows uh tomorrow um so and then i have two on friday so those are in all different ranges of topics and uh some will be addressing this as some. Uh, actually have someone coming on talking about he wrote a book uh, arguing the case for free will, actually. So I'm excited for that. That'll be a fun conversation. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I think I have uh, I don't know how many for next week, but we have we have quite a few.
0: All um, right. So we go to Courtney Turner, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-N-E-A-Y.
2: It's like Cortney, so you are exactly. You are But I do want to mention this really quickly, just for your audience. Uh, I do something called the Cause Fest, and Cause stands for Creative Artists uniting for the sovereignty of everyone. So we did it last June third and fourth. We had uh, fifty three acts total, so it was twenty six hours of content that is up on the site. You can go to RebelsForCause com, and that is spelled out F O R, and it's Rebels plural cause.com and it is in it's essentially artist for liberty so i i was an actress producer i'm an aerial acrobatic performer so i'm very much an artist and i'm passionate about the arts but i used to you know make the joke that you kind of had to bargain with the devil in order to have any success in the arts and whether it be you know music or hollywood and now i think that's kind of more literal but we'll we'll pretend it's still figurative uh but (laughs) i so i just knew noticed that, you know, they really were promulgating an agenda and it very much, I mean, now we've seen the Grammys, you know, they're overtly being satanic and putting satanic messages, Uh, you know, Disney went from being very subvert, covert, and now they're kind of right out in the open in your face they're yeah. doing movies about Lucifer like you know uh, the impregnating the the teenage girl and yeah, yeah. she falls fall in love with the devil um, <laughs> so it, they said this is no longer uh, subliminal and uh, under the radar it's in your face so I wanted to give a platform to independent creative artists so we had awesome. tons of speakers we had comedians musicians uh, uh, I did two aerial performances and filmmakers and Artists, like uh, fine artists. Anyway, all this to say that we are going to be doing another one probably in June. I think it will be in the Nashville area, but that's where we seem to uh, have gotten some interest and potential partners. And uh, we have some great artists who have shown interest, but we are seeking any sponsorship or it was a very expensive event. We at the very last minute did get a great sponsor uh, who made it happen. Uh, but we would like not to wait till the week before, because you'd be surprised how much time it takes just to pay bills. So uh. oh, I can,
0: yeah, I can imagine Courtney. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention too, and people inside Rockman have thrown up the link to rebels for cause. Uh, so inside Rockman, uh, while you're watching the show, everybody, or if you 're watching afterwards, you can scroll through the comments uh, but again it 's rebels four cause c a u s e dot com and uh, you know I used to work in Los Angeles, and it was a difficult world for a libertarian. Uh, well, yeah. I later discovered that yeah one of my bosses at Voyager. I realized he was a libertarian while I was there because uh, I had a Reason Magazine t-shirt on under one of my button-down shirts. And one of the other people in a story meeting asked what the shirt was underneath. You could sort of see it said Reason, but you couldn't quite. And Brandon Braga, the guy who created the Borg, as a bit of a warning. Yeah. He said, oh, that's a Reason Magazine shirt. And that was 1998. So, you know, not too many people knew Reason Magazine back then. So I'm like, ah, I had dinner with him a few years ago. He goes, so you're a libertarian. I'm like, yeah, you too. And he goes, how'd you know that? I was like, oh, I remember that day I had that shirt. He goes, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I knew. I knew. So it was was interesting. But I I also want to mention, because you've taken so much time and you continue to do so, Courtney, and being a guest on a show, I, again, I hope I can encourage people to go mm-hmm. and support you, go to your website and, you know, send a little something your way, because this is a lot of time that you devote just in conversation with me, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, it, it's, it's difficult to sort of frame it in the correct words, but right. I, I do want to just mention that if I can get a couple people to remember your website, go over there and show their appreciation. I think that'd be awesome. So Yeah, I
2: appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank
0: you. No problem. No problem. Mm -hmm. And then later I'll hit you, you know, we'll start our own corporations with the SEC. It'll be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Courtney, thank you so much. I'll give you the, uh, I'm going to, you know, continue with the show and I'll contact you either tonight or tomorrow and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. But again, I hope that people will check it out. Courtney, Courtney Mm -hmm. Turner, Mm -hmm. T-U-R, N-E-R dot com. And uh, I will just look forward to hearing people's comments left and right about all the things you're doing. And again, we can't take our eye off the ball here on the basketball court, but right now it looks yeah. like the ball has been steered away from the hoop. We've, we've deflected a shot. So yes. we, we pulled a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and stuffed it down. It's still bouncing on the court now.
2: that's exactly right yes well Courtney
0: thanks I I really appreciate it and I'll give you I'll give you our outro here this is uh I'll show you this one as we go this is my little mind melt thing as you know from my days at Star Trek so as they would say on Star Trek live long and prosper and I don't know whether that has any occult uh meanings or not but uh in honor of of all your work thanks Courtney and I'll, I'll be in touch tonight and then uh tomorrow as well
2: Wonderful. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks. Bye. You got it, Courtney. Thanks, Courtney. Take care. Thank oh, you. man. Bye. Got it. I must try to mind melt with it. Eternity
1: ends. It's
2: out. Minds are merging Doctor. Our minds are one. I feel
0: what you feel. I know what you know. Oh, man. Thank you, Courtney, for doing all her um, amazing work. And uh, thank you in the audience as well for being supportive of all her great work. Again, I'll show you the website for Rebels for Cause. Awesome stuff for them. And uh, her Twitter feed, again, Twitter slash X feed, she has a link to that inside her Twitter slash X feed. You can find it right there. And let me give you the full screen. Courtney Turner podcast and Rebels for Cause is linked there. But, uh, of course, if you go to Courtney Turner, just turn her at twitterfeedintoa.com, and you'll be able to go to her website. So, wow, what'd you think of that? That was awesome. That was so awesome. And again, here's a quick reminder of what we're discussing and what we have to beware of many things, of course, the SEC's creation of natural asset companies. And I'll again, I'll tie that into what I wrote about in October of 2022. The Fed's announced pilot, announced pilot program for major U.S. banks to manage so-called climate-related financial risks, applying arbitrary numbers to the risks that they Claim and then saying, Well, if you abide by what we tell you to abide by, if you do what we tell you to do, then you will be okay and you can get a carbon credit. Oh, yes, indeed. You know, folks, I want to turn to uh, a follow up on something that we discussed yesterday and um, over the past couple days, actually. So I want to turn to a couple things. First, about journalism and for that i want to play a little something from the sex pistols from their filthy lucre tour when they did the song new york and of course oh but wait a minute i didn't do the flash let's go back for a second we've got to play the flash very important stuff let's look at the rest of the program actually everyone and then we'll see whether or not we want to go with the sex pistols or another one of our big items here the Flash, journalistic jokers edition. Then we've got EVs and wind, love you, and border liars and more, and the journalists and flying and lying feds, the flying leads. So uh, that's the Fed Fed Leplin. So let's get into what is on tap, everyone. We need to ring that bell. Yes.
1: Oh, hello. Uh, hello, we're Mary's parents. Oh, well, come on in, fellas. Hold it a second. Mary's parents burned to death last year. Wait a minute. I know you guys. You're from the News Flash. flash
3: jump, 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 jump. Flash
1: <laughs>
0: All right, one and all. Now we get to turn to a little something special from, as I mentioned, the Sex Pistols. Let's go with a little question that Johnny Lydon asked as he played their opening song at Finsbury Park from the Filthy Lucre CD 1996 live recording because they had been slammed by the journalists all throughout their career, on and off when they were formed. And this is the song, New York. As Johnny asked the eternal question.
1: And a journalist.
0: (laughs) Yes, go get him, Johnny. Go get him. Love that. That is just an amazing disc. And so let's turn real quick to the first item on the journalistic front, and that is a little video presentation to remind us of what we showed yesterday from the great and wonderfully auspicious Rachel Maddow as they discussed, you know what, not showing the Donald Trump acceptance speech for having won, his victory speech. Here is Russell Brand wearing a cross and they are doing a Bible study now. Very interesting stuff to see. Russell's growth is amazing and he is really sticking up for free speech. Watch as he skewers Rachel Maddow and then we're going to add a couple more things to our discussion from last night, uh, basically queuing off of uh, this great presentation from Russell.
1: see, who is making the Democrats unelectable? Is it Donald Trump or is it the Democrats themselves? <laughs> the legacy
0: media are falling apart assuming that trump 2024 is an inevitability how can they maintain that joe biden visibly waxen and cadaverous before our
1: eyes can oppose
0: this force we'll be back with more liberty conspiracy on free talk live free talk live is brought to you by dash digital cash Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash with BitRefill.com, where you can buy gift cards from big retailers, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Thanks to DashDAO for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and use Dash. You can learn more at Dash.org. That's dash.org. Welcome back to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I want to play for you in its entirety the speech that Javier Malay gave to the audience in Davos, Switzerland, at the World Economic Forum. When queried about why he would go there to address the parasitic fascist thugs at the World Economic Forum, he said he was not going to join them. He was going to inject ideas of freedom. And he did a remarkable job. I think this might stand out as one of the greatest speeches for freedom in many, many years.
1: Today, I am present to inform you that the Western world is facing a significant threat. It is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the Western world are co-opted by a worldview that inevitably leads to socialism and consequently to poverty and economic deprivation. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-intentioned desires to help others and others by the desire to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We are here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world, but rather they are their cause. Trust me there is no one better than us Argentines to provide testimony on these two issues when we embraced freedom in 1860 in 35 years we became the world's first dominant power 35 years we became the first world power while when we embraced collectivism Over the past 100 years, we saw how our citizens began to systematically impoverish themselves until they fell to the 140th position in the world. 40 in the world. But before we can have this discussion, it would be important for us to first look at the data that supports why free market capitalism is not only a possible system to end world poverty, but also the only morally desirable system to achieve it. If we consider the history of economic progress, we can see how from year zero until around 1800, the world's per capita GDP remained practically constant throughout the reference period. If one looks at a chart of the evolution of economic growth throughout human history, one would be seeing a chart with the shape of a hockey stick, an exponential function that remained constant for 90% of the time, and exponentially shoots up from the 19th century. The sole exception to this stagnant history was at the end of the 15th century with America's discovery. Except for this, from year 0 to 1800, global per capita GDP remained stagnant without any significant changes. Now not only did capitalism generate an explosion of wealth from the moment it was adopted as an economic system, But if one analyzes the data, what is observed is that growth has been accelerating throughout the entire period. During the entire period between year 0 and 1800, the per capita GDP growth rate remains stable at around 0.02% annually, that is, practically without growth. From 19th century with industrial revolution, growth rate reaches 0.66%, given the current rate it would require a time span of approximately 107 years to achieve a twofold increase in per capita GDP. In 1900-1950, growth rate rises to 1.66% annually. 150, growth rate rises to 1.36% annually. We no longer need 107 years to double per capita GDP, but 66. If we take the period between 1950 and the year 2000, we can see that the growth rate was 2.1% annually, which would mean that in just 33 years, we could double the world's per capita GDP. This trend, far from stopping, remains alive even now. If we consider the period from 2000 to 2023, the growth rate increased again at 3% per year, meaning we could double our per capita GDP globally in only 23 years. Now when studying per capita GDP from 1800 to today, what is observed is that after the industrial revolution, global per capita GDP multiplied by more than 15 times, generating an explosion of wealth that lifted 90% of the world's population out of poverty. We must never forget that by the year 1800, about 95% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty. While that number dropped to 5% by the year 2020 prior to the pandemic. The conclusion is obvious. Far from being the cause of our problems, free market capitalism as an economic system is the only tool we have to end hunger, poverty, and destitution throughout the planet. The empirical evidence is unquestionable. Therefore, As there is no doubt that free market capitalism is superior in productive terms, the left's doxa has attacked capitalism for its moral issues, for being, according to them, as its detractors say, unjust. They claim capitalism is bad because it's individualistic and collectivism is good because it's altruistic towards others. And thus they strive for social justice but this concept that has become trendy in the developed world recently, in my country, it has been a constant in political discourse for over 80 years. The issue is that social justice is unfair and doesn't contribute to general well-being. On the contrary, it's an inherently unfair idea because it's violent. It's unfair because the state is financed through taxes and taxes are collected coercively. Or can any of us confidently say that they pay taxes of their own free will. This implies that the state is funded through coercion and that the higher the tax burden, the greater the coercion, leading to a reduction in freedom. Those who promote social justice start from the idea that the economy as a whole is a cake that can be distributed in a different way. But that cake is not given. It is wealth that is generated in what, for example, Israel Kirshner calls a market discovery process. If the good or service that a company offers is not desired, that company goes bankrupt unless it adapts to what the market is demanding. Create a high-quality product at a good price or attractive, succeed and produce more, so the market is a process of discovery where the capitalist finds the right direction on the go. But if the state punishes the capitalist for success and blocks him in this process, it destroys his incentives, and the consequences are that he will produce less and the cake will be smaller, generating harm to society. Collectivism, by inhibiting discovery and hindering appropriation, ties the entrepreneur's hands, preventing him from producing better goods and offering better services at a better price. How can it be then that from academia, international orgs, politics, and econ theory, an econ system is demonized that not only has lifted 90% of the world's pop out of extreme poverty and does so increasingly faster, but is also fair and morally superior? Thanks to capitalism, the world is currently in its best moment. There has never been a moment in history with greater prosperity than the one we live in today. Today's world is freer, richer, more peaceful and more prosperous than ever before. This is true for everyone, but particularly for those countries that are free, where they respect economic freedom and individual property rights. Because free countries are 12 times richer than repressed ones. Saying goes that in countries with freedom, people live better than 90% of population in repressed countries. It has 25 times fewer poor people in the standard format and 50 times fewer in the extreme format. And if that weren't enough... Citizens of free countries live 25% longer than citizens of repressed countries. Now, in order to understand what we come to defend, it is important to define what we mean when we talk about libertarianism. To define it, I take up the words of the greatest proponent of the ideas of freedom in Argentina, Professor Alberto Venegas Lynch, who says that libertarianism is the unrestricted respect for the life project of others based on the principle of non-aggression and in defense of the right to life liberty and property whose fundamental institutions are private property free markets without state intervention free competition division of labor and social cooperation where one can only be successful by serving others with goods of better quality at a better price in other words, the capitalist, the successful entrepreneur, is a social benefactor who contributes to the well-being of society as a whole. In short, a successful entrepreneur is a hero. This is the model that we are proposing for the future of Argentina, a model based on the fundamental principles of libertarianism, the defense of life, freedom, and property. Now if free market capitalism and economic freedom have been remarkable instruments to eradicate poverty globally and we are presently experiencing the most favorable period in human history it is worth inquiring why I assert that the West is in jeopardy I argue that the West is endangered as in countries defending free market, private property and other institutions of libertarianism, sectors of the political and economic establishment due to errors in their theoretical framework and ambition for power undermine libertarianism, opening doors to socialism, and potentially condemning us to poverty, misery, and stagnation. Because it should never be observed that socialism is always and everywhere impoverishing, failed in all countries where attempted. It was a failure economically, it was a failure socially, it was a failure culturally, And it also killed more than a hundred million human beings. The main problem of the West today is that we not only have to confront those who, even after the fall of the wall and overwhelming evidence, continue to advocate for impoverishing socialism, but also our own leaders, thinkers, and academics who, sheltered in a misguided framework, undermine the foundations of the system that has given us the greatest wealth and prosperity in our history. The theoretical framework I am referring to is neoclassical economic theory, which designs an instrument unintentionally functional to the intrusion of the state, socialism, and the degradation of society. The issue with neoclassicals is that since the model they fell in love with doesn't match reality, they attribute the error to the supposed market failure instead of revising the premises of their model. On the text about a supposed market failure, regulations are introduced that only generate distortions in the price system that hinder economic calculation and consequently savings, investment, and growth. This problem essentially lies in the fact that not even supposedly libertarian economists understand what the market is, since if it were understood, it would quickly be seen that it is impossible for there to be such a thing as a market failure. The market is not just a graphical description of a supply curve and a demand curve on a graph. The market is a mechanism of social cooperation where property rights are voluntarily exchanged. Thus, considering this definition, discussing market failure is a contradiction in terms. There is no market failure. If transactions are voluntary, the only situation in which there can be a market failure is is if there is coercion present. And the only one with the ability to coerce in a generalized manner is the state that possesses the monopoly of violence. Consequently, if someone considers that there is a market failure, I would recommend that they check if there is state intervention in the middle. If no state intervention found, suggest reanalyzing as it is definitely wrong. Market failures do not exist. An example of the alleged market failures described by neoclassicals are concentrated structures in the economy. However, without functions that demonstrate increasing returns to scale, whose counterpart are the concentrated structures of the economy, we would be unable to explain the phenomenon of economic growth from 1800 to the present day. Look how interesting. Commencing from the year 1800 and extending onwards, with the population experiencing a multiplication of more than eight or nine times, the per capita income underwent a growth of more than 15 times in magnitude. To clarify, there are more returns. This caused poverty to drop from 95% to 5%. However, the presence of increasing yields implies the existence of concentrated structures which would be referred to as, for example, a monopoly in the market economy. How can it be that something that has generated so much well-being, according to neoclassical theory, that is considered a market failure? Neoclassical economists think outside the box. When the model fails, don't get angry with reality. Get angry with the model and change it. The dilemma for the neoclassical model is that they aim to enhance market functioning by targeting perceived failures. By doing so they not only open doors to socialism but also undermine economic growth. For instance, implementing regulations on monopolies, dismantling their profits, and obliterating increasing returns would inevitably annihilate economic growth. In other words, Each time you want to correct a presumed market failure, inevitably, due to not knowing the market or because you have become attached to a failed model, you are opening doors to socialism and condemning people to poverty. However, in the face of the theoretical demonstration that state intervention is harmful, the empirical evidence that it failed because it could not be otherwise, the solution that collectivists will propose is not greater freedom, but greater regulation, generating a downward spiral of regulations until we all become poorer and the lives of all of us depend on a bureaucrat sitting in a luxury office. Given the resounding failure of collectivist models and the undeniable advances of the free world, socialists were forced to change their agenda. They left behind the class struggle based on the economic system to replace it with other supposed social conflicts equally harmful to community life and economic growth. The first of these new battles was the ridiculous and unnatural fight between man and woman. Libertarianism already establishes equality between sexes. The cornerstone of our creed states that all men are created equal, that we all have the same unalienable rights granted by the creator, among which are life, liberty, and property. This radical feminism agenda has led to increased state intervention, hindering the economic process. It provides jobs to bureaucrats who haven't contributed anything to society, whether through women's ministries or international organizations promoting this agenda. Another conflict that socialists pose is that of humans against nature. They argue that humans cause harm to the planet and that it must be protected at all costs, even advocating for population control mechanisms or supporting the controversial agenda of abortion rights. Unfortunately, these harmful ideas have strongly permeated our society. Neo-Marxists have managed to co-opt the common sense of the Western world. They achieved this through the appropriation of the media, culture, universities, and yes, even international organizations. The final case is very serious, as it involves institutions with huge influence on the political and economic decisions of the countries in these multilateral organizations. Fortunately, more of us dare to raise our voices, as we see that if we don't confront these ideas head-on, the only possible destiny is more state, more regulation, more socialism, more poverty, less freedom, and consequently, a worse quality of life. Unfortunately, the West has already started down this path. To many, it may sound ridiculous to suggest that the West has embraced socialism, but this view is only ridiculous if one limits themselves to the traditional economic definition of socialism, which states that it is an economic system where the state owns the means of production. In my opinion, this definition needs to be updated to reflect the current circumstances from my perspective. Today, states don't need to control means of production to control every aspect of individuals' lives. With tools such as monetary issuance, debt, subsidies, interest rate control, price controls, and regulations to correct alleged market failures, they can control the destinies of millions of human beings. This is how we have reached the point where With different names or forms Good parts of the politically Accepted offers in most western countries Are generally collectivist Variants Whether they openly declare themselves As communists, fascists Nazis, socialists Social democrats National socialists Christian democrats, keynesians Neo-Keynesians Progressives, populists Nationalists or globalists. In the end, there are no substantive differences. Everyone argues that the state should control all aspects of individuals' lives. All define a model contrary to the one that led humanity to the most spectacular progress in its history. We are here today to extend an invitation to the other Western countries to resume the path towards prosperity, economic freedom, limited government, and unrestricted respect for private property are vital for economic growth. The impoverishment that collectivism produces is not a fantasy, nor is it fatalism. It is a reality that Argentinians have known very well for at least 100 years. Because we have already experienced it, we have already gone through this. Because as I said before, since we decided to abandon the model of freedom that had made us rich, we are trapped in a downward spiral where we are getting poorer every day. This is, we have already experienced it ourselves, and we are here to warn you about what can happen if Western countries, who became rich with the model of freedom, continue on this path of servitude. The Argentine case is the empirical proof that regardless of wealth, natural resources, population capability, education level, or the amount of gold bars in the central bank's coffers, these factors do not guarantee success. If measures are adopted that hinder the free functioning of markets, free competition, free price systems, if trade is hindered, if private property is attacked, the only possible destination is poverty. To summarize, I want to convey a message to all entrepreneurs present and those who are not, but are following us from around the globe, whether they're here or not, physically. Don't be intimidated by the political caste or the parasites who live off the state. Don't yield to a political class that only wants to prolong its power and preserve its privileges. You are social benefactors. You are heroes. You are the creators of the most extraordinary era of prosperity we have ever experienced. Don't let anyone say ambition is immoral. If you earn money, it's because you provide a superior product better price, contributing to well-being. Do not yield to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonists of this story and know that from today, you have Argentina as an unconditional ally. Thank you very much and long life freedom, Dammit.
0: Congratulations to Javier Malay. He went in and spoke to two audiences, the fascist cronies in front of him who have already been corrupted by the collectivist ideologies within economics and the social fronts and the people outside. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you soon on Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live.